This is a download from BFM 89.9, the business station. This is Raise Your Game. I'm Christine Wong. It's naturally important for us to guide and develop our youth in order to shape a better future. But how exactly do we do that? Well, through the use of youth development programs. Today, I have Darren Timothy, Special Projects Partner at Leaderonomics Youth, to help me discuss whether digital youth development programs are less impactful than physical programs and what your own upskilling journey could look like in digitizing your engagement with youth. Hi, so my name is Darren. Uh, I'm from Leaderonomics Community and my role is the Special Projects Partner there. So essentially what my job entails is that I am more of the execution and delivery portion of the youth program. So whenever we get uh, clients that are looking to have youth development programs or universities that are trying to have development programs for their campus level students and so on and so forth, they will come in through our team and I will be basically the person on the ground that will be coordinating and running the entire program from A to Z. Okay. So first of all, let's just quickly define, although I guess it seems fairly obvious, but what exactly defines a youth development program? So essentially what we do here at Leaderonomics uh, community, especially when it comes to youth development programs, is that we are looking towards um, upskilling youths in terms of either their personal development, their leadership competencies, or even uh, in functional skills that they have, particularly in certain areas. Uh, for particular groups, so we do for uh, kids, we do for youths, we do for even campus level uh, students. And I think there are some special uh, special occasions sometimes where we do for adults as well. So the, 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 pro- the programs vary in nature. However, at each of these points, the essential need is to grow and develop them. Mm-hmm. And would you agree with the idea that uh, employers as well are looking for hirees with more of these skills? I mean, granted, obviously, technical skills are important. Academic ability is fairly important as well, or at least cognitive uh, ability, right? Uh, But those can always be learnt more. Those can always be taught more. Um, You know, to what extent would you say that it is critical for this kind of personal development, this kind of interpersonal, intrapersonal knowledge to be learnt when you are part of the youth? Yes. I would say that um, it really helps uh, future-proof them in a sense. And I feel that for youths, right, when they are going, if they're able, they're going to be able to stay one step ahead of the game if they're able to develop these skills early. Because um, for any age range, right, there are particular, I would say that there are particular um phases that we go to as we are growing up in life. Mm. And at those particular phases, right, we actually look into um, what are some of the key competencies that it will be very good for them to develop at a certain point of time. Now, this is not uh, me uh, just coming up from my own, but this is actually based on a framework called the Science of Building Leaders that Leaderonomics have been uh, working uh, looking into updating and researching the past 10 plus years already. And in this framework, it says that at every particular age of each range or phase in life, there are certain competencies, right, that if you were to develop it at that point of time, right, it would really help you uh, be able to be prepared for the next stage of life and give you an upper edge for that stage of life, especially. 
doesn't mean that when you're an adult, mm-hmm. you cannot learn certain things. It's just that it's going to be a lot harder for you to actually um, learn those particular things, mm-hmm. right? So there are different windows of time. La. So if youths are able to learn most of these kind of skills early, right, it would already start shaping their mind. Because as you know, um, change or growth doesn't happen overnight. So what we look for most of the time, especially when we do youth programs, is that we want to get the ball rolling. We want to plant the seed. Mm. We want to plant the seed. And when we plant the seed, right, as they go on in life, right, and it starts to grow within themselves and as it grows through their experiences, right, by the time they come out to their workforce already, right, it has already, it should already be starting to flourish already. Mm-hmm. And that's where they can really um, find their potential and really give a more holistic kind of package in terms of them as a person to companies. Mm-hmm. And like many other skills in life, if not most skills in life, it's a lot easier to learn when you're younger. I mean, your neural pathways haven't even really formed permanently yet at that point. Uh, you know, like they say, the best time to teach your child multiple languages is when they're very, very small, right? In order to, again, give them that foundation and give them, you know, that ability to then use that as a base to then learn more in the future. Um, so I think that's really interesting that, you know, there is this focus from Leaderonomics now on these youth development uh, programs. And really that is going to impact the future workforce in a massive, massive way. So I think that's really interesting. Uh, now, I also wanted to ask, the pandemic obviously has been difficult for all of us, but uh, especially for uh, the youth and especially for those who are still in the education system. Uh, by that, I mean, obviously, the younger kids as well. Uh, but uh, I guess for the purposes of this particular conversation, these are um, preteens to teens, people who, you know, they have not had access to the same environment to socialize in. They have not ha- been able to see their teachers, their friends. Uh, they have not had uh, physical classes for the most part, for the better part of two years. And when it comes to the schooling environment and, you know, obviously, again, this, the lessons you learn in class are very important, but it's also being around other people, learning how to navigate social situations, doing group projects. These, This is all stuff that is designed to help you later on with the way the working world is, right? But there are is a there's a plethora of people in the world now, uh, this demographic who have lost out on that for two years. So could you tell me a little bit about how youth development programs are helping with this issue? So one of the things that we really notice from participants that have come in for the virtual camps that we run the past two years is that there is definitely a sense of or there's definitely an impact on them in terms of the pandemic. Mm. One of the things is that there is a loss of connection in a sense. They don't, when, when they go for classes, they are mostly sitting in for classes. Some even have said that, oh, I just go in, I off my camera, off my mic, I leave it on and then I do my stuff. And that's what some of the kids actually admit to doing. And so there's not much communication in terms of, yeah, you see your friends all, Maybe you don't see them, uh, uh, their faces. They're all probably on their avatars you can see on the classes. But there's not really much communication happening there. You're there, but you're not there as well. There, even when you're connecting with them for group assignments, right? Sometimes it's by call, sometimes it's by text. It becomes very disconnecting. And I'm sure even for uh, both yourself and myself, um, not being able to see 
uh, if our friends, our families, our colleagues for this entire pandemic, right? Even for us as adults, right? We can feel that sense of, uh, there's a slight sense of perhaps uh, loneliness. There's a slight sense of uh, loss of connection. And even when we come back after the pandemic, right? At times where the lockdown lives and you actually get to see people, right? You find that you kind of get lost touch in terms of how do I socialize. Mm-hmm. So imagine these young kids, um, age like uh, pre-teens or teens, right? They have forgotten or they have lost touch in how do they actually connect with other people? How do they make friends, for example, new friends, new classmates, when I don't even know what to say to them. I don't even know how to approach them. So there's a certain uh, kind of... Uh, uh, missing piece there in the sense of their connection. You also see that a lot of them are lost in the sense that they perhaps had goals, but now because of the pandemic, everything is all sort of uh, messed up and they don't even know where their life can be. There's no, uh, there's no clear part for them as well, mm. right? So these are some of the things that we saw have evident in the in the programs that we run as well. So when we run programs last year, we did the digital uh, programs the past two years, right? We really tried to look into tackling sessions specific towards uh, these particular areas. We talked about sessions uh, about how to chart your vision, how to set uh, goals for yourself. We looked at sessions on Simple session, how to make friends, how to know myself better, how to use this time that I've been given, this extra amount of time, and use it to develop myself internally, gain a certain self self-awareness, understanding my strengths, weaknesses, my personalities, what makes me tick, and really channeling all of these um, thoughts. Some of them are very anxious as well. There's people that are uh, having anxiety. We can definitely see um, certain signs of uh the era, some people may be mentally affected by it. I mean, most adults <laughs> from the pandemic are also mentally affected in a certain way. So how do we channel all of these anxieties, these thoughts and all into a more productive manner so that we can help them move forward in a sense through the pandemic? So that's one of the key things that we're looking at la, throughout the camps that we run. And of course, um, what we have in camps is we have our breakout rooms as well where for maybe four or five days or however long the duration is, they are actually able to talk and bond um, with people, uh, peers from different places. And whatever uh, qualms they may have or whatever fears they may have, we can help them kind of work it out in terms of connecting with others. So by the end of it, right, most of them are talking as if they have known each other for months and years, when in fact they have only... Uh, met for probably three or four days. And why this is so important is because it breaks a certain um, perception that they have in their mind. A lot of them, they are, a lot of these kids, uh, here at Leroy's, we like to do what we call as experiential learning. Means that I don't just teach you, I don't just teach you theory, but we want you to actually go through it. We want you to experience it and feel it for yourself. Because... Um, Many things that we do in life, like let's say habits, for example, I want to, I want to start a, 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 let's say a workout routine, right? I want to start a workout routine. Um, I can learn all the videos, uh, read out all the videos, look at all of the, the articles on what I should do, how I should do a fitness routine, what I should avoid and all. But I will only be motivated after I've actually gone through it probably a week or so. I feel the strain on, on my muscles. 
but I can also feel my body getting stronger. I can feel uh, that I have more control over each of my limbs. So only when I feel something, I am more motivated to continue to change. So similarly for youths, right? We are looking at actually getting them to feel certain things like, hey, I managed to on my camera talk to three or four people from different states. I have never met them in my life. And I was afraid of how I'm how going to socialize with people again. But I did it here. So why can't I do it other groups? Why can't, even after the pandemic, I can do it outside? Turning my camera on in a session when the trainer asks with 40 to 100 other people there. Scary, scary, definitely. But I did it. So why can't I do this now? Why can't I do that? So we use it as a ball to keep them rolling. Okay, it's time to take a short break for some messages, but after that, I will continue my conversation with Darren Timothy all about youth development programs and about digitalizing them specifically here on BFM 89.9. Begin Free Malaysia. BFM 89.9, The Business Station. Raise Your Game here on BFM 89.9. I'm Christine Wong and on the line with me today is Darren Timothy, a special projects partner at Leaderonomics Youth. Today we're talking about the impact of digitalizing youth development programs and before the break we defined what youth development programs are and why they're so important especially to establish soft skills for the youth to prepare them for the future workforce. So we talked a little bit about why they're important and uh, you mentioned a little bit of the effect of the youth development programs that you've seen, especially when it comes to the lost socialization of the teens and preteens that you guys work with um, that has been experienced over the course of the pandemic. Now, I would like to sort of move more into the digital side of things, because um, with any sort of development program, with any sort of program that requires, um, that involves training and learning, generally speaking, I think before the pandemic, there was this conception that you had to be there in person uh, because it's something that is so interactive. It's something that is so collaborative. You know, it's difficult. I, I mean, it was difficult before the pandemic to imagine doing something that required so much teamwork and so much communication to do that off, uh, you know, online, right? But of course, we were all forced to. So could you tell me a little bit about that transition from the physical engagements that you guys had and how you managed to make the virtual engagements just as effective? Okay, so I think really uh, what you mentioned was very apt. You mentioned about you were not able to picture it. So similarly to us, we, we were also in the same boat. When you asked us about uh, virtual youth camps, there was a mental block. Can we do this virtually? Can we really virtualize a program? But um, And what we had actually... At a time, right, we actually had a program upcoming right after the MCO hit. Around three weeks later, we had a program already set. And then they told us, they asked us, can we do this in a uh, virtual format? It was initially in a physical format. And so for us, we actually met, we thought about it, and we're like, okay, you know what? This is the direction that the pandemic is heading in. We are looking at a long term. We are going to be inside. This virtual is going to be here to stay. Let us use this as a kind of a building block towards if we can get this formula right, if we can get this um, this base foundation base right, we're able to build ahead and we can build uh, quicker in terms of being able to develop programs of this nature. And so we went to it. And one of the, how we, what we had to do was that we had to 
deconstruct what it means to have a physical camp. When you talk about physical camp, you have sessions where student, uh, campus who come in, they will learn from it. There is a lot of engagement. There's what we have as simulations, whereby we put them through a scenario or role play, and they be making decisions and actions based on their own interpretations. And later on, we'll debrief on what went right, what went wrong, so they can aware of oh, okay, that that was. Uh, I know what I know what I should not do, what I should do. So that's what simulations are. We also have, of course, the whole fun and joy of camp is being able to interact with one another, have games, you know, uh, have team challenges with one another, going through uh, different different types of uh, competitive elements as well. And there's even uh, ceremonies at the end where, you know, you win prizes. So a lot of these elements uh, were part of a physical camp. So what we did was we actually deconstructed what a physical camp is and looked at mediums, technological mediums at the time. I clearly remember Zoom was just about taking off at the time Skype was the video platform when the MCO first pandemic started to hit. And we actually looked at what are the different mediums and how do we slot in or reimagine certain elements inside. So when we did camps, right, we have virtual sessions where we embedded a lot of virtual icebreakers and energizers with the campus. So to get them to continuously interact with the trainers, turning on their mics, turning off their mics during the uh, during the, 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 the sessions as well. We got them to use visual, we got them to use audio, we got them to move around, you know, have a lot of uh, movement-based activities. After each of the sessions, they would go into breakout rooms where from a larger group where they're learning, they go into a smaller intimate group where they can have these conversations, they can have these uh, engagements with one another. And over time, you would be surprised, right? Some people might say, how can virtual conversations, right? Can they really be intimate? Do I, can I really be vulnerable? And these kids, after spending so much time with one another, right, and hearing from one just one person to share uh, their vulnerability or certain stories, right, it sets the whole mood for the crowd. By the end of it, right, they are sharing some very, very deep and intimate stuff and the rest are understanding that, hey, I'm not alone. I'm going through this as well. So we are able to still create that sense of intimacy that you may feel that, only is possible in a physical camp. Mm, brilliant. Uh, I've got a couple of questions left for you. Uh, the first one is to do with the idea of digital fatigue, though. Um, as these camps are taking place virtually, and as I think you also are well aware and probably are also affected by, um, as adults, all of us staring at screens all day long for two years has not been particularly healthy. Uh, and it is very easy to get like screen fatigue and to want to just be offline for a little bit. Um, and since this is such an engage, like a high engagement uh, situation, uh, what measures did Leaderonomics put in place in order to combat the potential of digital fatigue in these camps? So one of the ways that we've actually looked at this, um, one of it was we definitely gave a bit more breaks in between. The other element which I mentioned uh, earlier would be that I've we've integrated a sort of a storyboard function into it so that uh, through the storyboard, they're constantly engaged. Uh, the breakout rooms definitely help a lot, especially our really amazing facilitators that we have on board that come on board with the campus. So now when you see me in training sessions as well, right? Like when you see me talking, right? When you talk normally, right? That's how we talk normally in a physical setting. But for a virtual setting, right? You have to be extra, um, extra excited. Your voice has to be extra 
um, it has to be more um, engaging. The voice has to be the tonal, the tonal shift has to be mm. higher. The way that you sound has to be very um, entertaining. Right. We also have uh, MCs inside as well to keep the engagement level high and entertainment level high. So there's a lot of a uh, production value and engagement involved inside to keep their uh, their minds constantly at a high level of. 10 level of energy. Right. So essentially because the nature of the camps are fairly dynamic and the present the presentation element of it as well is very high energy, it prevents digital fatigue. Okay. And my final question for you, Darren, is um, one that I think is interesting about uh, going digital and going sort of remote or virtual uh, as the case may be. And I think it's opened up a whole new door in terms of accessibility. A lot of people who may not have, as you mentioned, I think before the break, a lot of people who did not have access to these kinds of resources, uh, not only because, let's say, they uh, maybe couldn't afford it or maybe they uh, were not in an environment where that was available to them, but even people who are not necessarily in the geographical position to attend one of these camps or uh, people who otherwise struggle with uh, some form of accessibility issue, right? To what extent do you think moving forward, the digitalization of youth development programs will help with accessibility and the, I guess, more widespread um, youth development across the country as a whole? I think the geographical uh, barrier was definitely uh, was definitely something of uh, concern last time. Because you know, when, when let's say if clients want to do a camp that they involve people from across from Sabah, Sarawak, they will have to fly them in. And of course, when you're flying them, you won't be able to fly so many of them in this certain quarter. But when you have these kind of virtual programs, right, you can really open up the. The, the, you can open up to so many people from all across Malaysia. We have a couple of camps where we got campers from every single state in Malaysia, right, to sit in for this camp. And a lot of these kids, right, they will never had a chance to actually go for a physical camp. But by going for a virtual camp, at least, right, even for them, right, a virtual camp, right, is already like a next level, you know. They've never had this kind of engagement. And some of the kids, right, I just shared you some of the stories that we had, right, one kid also, right, his her house was um her house was flooding a little bit. She actually went out of her house there to near a, a tree on a hill and she actually sat in for a camp there. You know, uh, uh you know, under the sun, no, just to sit in for a camp. So that shows the hunger that they have to learn, the hunger that they want to to develop. So virtual programs for them, right, is able to access and be able to reach all of these people who may not even have um may not even have a chance to join for physical programs. Mm. Granted, they may not have the gadgets, but for Google Meets, things like Google Meets, right, the bandwidth level is very, very low. And they often borrow from their parents uh, or they borrow from a relative and they actually come on board and uh, use this for the camp. So I think that's one of the the, the things that when we're able to reach a higher reach and especially those that are hungry for it, those on the outskirts of uh, outskirts of the cities. Okay. Final question for you, Darren, before we finish up. Um, Throughout your learnings with uh, organizing these youth development programs, uh, what would be some advice or some strategies you would have for companies uh, in their engagement with the youth and how they can work uh, digitalization into that as well? I think the most important, the key thing is that you need to know um, who you're working with. All right. If you're looking at B40 uh, in, uh, kids or underprivileged kids, there are certain uh, areas that you would need to grow them in particularly. If you're looking at those that are coming from the M40 or 
uh, even for the international schools, there are different different needs based on the different different demographics. It's not a one fit, uh, one one fit all one size fits of, all. Uh, one size fit all kind of scenario. All right. So that's one thing you need to do. The second thing you need to look at is continuity. You can't just have a uh, one one off kind of program and then there's no uh, touch point after that because it's important for you to have a continuous uh, growth journey, which we're trying to ingrain in a lot of our programs after this. So a lot of our campus that come in for certain camps, we also tell them that, hey, we also have this thing called L Club Online, which is a leadership club online where it runs every once in two weeks, per uh, every one, two, twice a month, sorry, where L Club Online runs twice a month, every month, whereby campus or any teenagers can actually come on board, join and sit in. So that's form of a continuity, you know, from a camp, there's other kinds of avenues or programs that you can continue to engage. So it, it's not a one-time thing. You need to be able to journey with these kids. So I think that's very important. The so first thing is knowing their needs. Second thing is knowing how to journey with them. Brilliant. All right. Well, thank you very much, Darren, for sharing with me all about the impact of digitalizing youth development programs today. Thank you so much, Christine, for having me on. I, I really hope that uh, this gives a little bit of insight into the youth sphere and what we do here as well. This has been Raise Your Game. I'm Christine Wong. I've been speaking to Darren Timothy, Special Projects Partner at Leaderonomics Youth. If you've missed any of today's chat, you can go ahead and find the podcast on our app, which is available on the Apple App Store or Google Play, or on our website, bfm.my, to listen to and download the podcast. This is BFM 89.9. Thank you for listening to this podcast. To find more great interviews, go to bfm.my or find us on iTunes. BFM 89.9, The Business Station.